0: I've entitled the sermon this morning, Change is the Only Constant. I think that's one we can all agree with here. Now, the big idea for our sermon, as I found in Galatians chapter 3 verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring's heirs according to promise. Let's Let's all read that together, okay? And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, may we hide it in our heart that we might not sin against you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, who likes change? No, you don't. <laughs> we all say we like change, don't we? Yeah, I like change. Let's have some change. And then we find out, no, we're not, not really. We, we, like, we like things that are familiar. I know I do. I used to think, yeah, yeah, let's, you yeah, know, like, like to change. But then when you start changing some things, you know, we get uncomfortable. But you know, if we don't change, we get stale. And so there's always kind of this tug in what, in, in, in our life. And this is not just about talking about spiritually, but you know, even think, if we're not changing, then, you know, we're going to get stale. And, the, and after a while, we start to decay. And, you know, just like the just like the caterpillar, you know, remember that? You see the caterpillar, he goes around, he chews up all your tomato plants and everything there, not because he's mean, but because he needs to change. He's gathering up energy, and next thing you know, he's eating the whole tomato plant, and he's gone to find a place, and he, he uh, makes a chrysalis or a cocoon, depending on if it's going to be, whatever it's going to be there. And then months later, comes out as a butterfly. When we take a look, you know, the caterpillar is not the end product. Even the activity that it has of eating up the vegetation, all that is a means to an end, so that at at the end, what do we see? We see the beautiful butterfly that comes out. God wants your faith to be like that. You see, if you're not growing in your faith, And you know what? You're not becoming what God wants you to become. God wants us to grow, and He wants to grow until He takes us home. Alrighty then, let's take a look in uh, Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 right now. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared uh, appeared to Abram, and said uh, said to him, "I am God Almighty. Walk before me, and he was bl- and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly." Then Abram fell on his face, and and God spoke to him. Alrighty, this is what is referred to as progressive revelation. You see, God didn't reveal everything about himself to Abram in the very beginning. As you read through the Bible, you'll notice that God begins to introduce things through his holy word. And then they come to fruition. We begin to look in the New Testament. And then, you will finally, when we get to the book of Revelation, we see the end of all things. God wants us to continually receive progressive revelation and to grow accordingly. Now, you remember the part of the process that Abram, we we found out that God actually spoke to him in the land of Mesopotamia. And he says, I want you to leave. Abram was just a little bit hesitant there. In Haran, God spoke to him again. And when his father passed away, he obeyed the word of the Lord. He got up and he went. God appeared to him again at Shechem. And he said, "Hey, I'm giving you this land. This was something new. This was some progression there. Abraham responds by worshiping God and building a, building an altar. Abram begins to move about Cana. and God says, "All this land is yours. and I'm going to give it to your offspring. Abram would rescue Lot as a prisoner of war. God would say, I'm your protector. Wow, there was something new that he didn't know about about the nature of God. He says, I'm going to reward you greatly. You're going to have a son. You're going to be a great man. He even said, you know what? Your descendants are going to go into slavery. But you know what? I'm going to bring them out and make a mighty nation out of them. And I'm going to bless you with a long life. You see, every time that God speaks to Abram... He reveals a little bit more. You know what? That is what God does to us as well. God continually reveals His will to us. Sometimes God wants us just to point in a certain direction, just like Abram. You know, hey, I want you to go into this land. He didn't even know where he was going. But because he was faithful, because he was pointed in the right direction, then God begins to reveal more and more. Sometimes we wonder, it's like, God, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm unsure. That's all right. It's okay to be unsure. But what you need to do is you need to go in the direction that the Lord points you in. And you know what? God will begin to reveal His nature, His plan, and what He wants you to do. Here was Abram's reaction a couple chapters back. He believed the Lord... And he counted it as righteousness, counted to him as righteousness. Abram believes what God told him, and that was righteousness. That's faith. God is who he says he is, and God will do what he says that he will do. And we take God at his word, as he reveals his promises to us in his holy scripture, we believe the Lord. Matter of fact, that's even how we come, that's how we come to be children of God. We believe that God is who he says he is. That Jesus is the only cure for our sins. We believe in Him, we confess our sins, and it is through faith that we're declared righteous. Now righteous really, all it really means is right acts. Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing according to God's standard. So we all, we are Abraham's children. Which means we need to learn to imitate our father, Father Abraham. Abraham is probably the second most important person in the Bible, and he is referenced so many times in the New Testament as well as the Old, that we need to learn, he's put there, so that we will learn to imitate his faith. Sometimes, you know, we look at Jesus, man... Well, you say, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And, you know, sometimes following Christ, it's a, it's a bit, it's, wow, I could never do that. He, look, he walked on water, turned the water into wine. He was perfect. I can't be perfect. Then how about Abraham? How about a man who messed up a whole lot, but real, but always believed that God was who he said he is, and he would do what he said that he would do? Abraham, man of faith. Wandering about the promised land. He worshiped and he moved. He believed God. Man, that's a good thing that you, that you need to get a hold of. Abraham moved when God said to move. And every place he came, he worshiped the Lord. If you haven't heard from the Lord in a while... Have you worshiped Him and spirited in truth? Have you walked in the direction that He's pointed you in? Have you exercised your faith? And you know, I'm not going to make light of it. It is hard sometimes, most times, to take that first initial step. Some of you are waiting for all things to line up before you take that first step. My friends, that very rarely ever happens. If you're waiting for everything to be all lined up, the sun, the moon, the stars, the prophecy to come down, the, the, you know, the Bible verse to jump off the page there and, and angels to go, Whoa! it ain't going to happen. God is who He says He is and He will do what He says He will do. Amen. Move in the direction that He has told you and worship Him. Alright, so God appears... And he offers what I've called covenant counsel to Abram. He says, "Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings will come will come from you. From you, yeah. Get that out here. Wow." He is making a covenant this day with Abraham. Now, covenant is more than a promise. Sometimes we think of that. It's like, well, God promised. No, God is making a covenant. Covenant is kind of like a promise. but we take a look at that. this is God is inviting Abraham into a sacred kinship or relationship. He's inviting him to come in It's a bond. And you know what? God ratifies a covenant with an oath. And that oath, he swears by himself. Think about that. God is inviting us into a covenant relationship that was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he has sealed that oath that he says, he says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. that he's always going to be with you. And He invites you to have a relationship with Him through faith. God has a covenant. Just as He had a covenant, a covenant that day with Abraham, God has invited us into a covenant relationship with Him that is based on His goodness, is based on His faithfulness, and is based on His character. Because you know what? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship just based on my character. Neither would you. Because sometimes uh, we might try, but we fail, don't we? I know I do. But a covenant is a promise that God makes based on His character. God's covenant and promises are in every every period of salvation history. Divine covenants reveal the saving plan of God for establishing a, a communion with Israel and the nation, and ultimately be filled by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God invites you to be in that covenant relationship with Him even today. Notice, God says He's establishing this by Himself. He says, then I will establish my covenant between you, between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations as an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Hebrews tells us, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to to whom to swear by, he swore by himself. We get to be grafted in into the covenant of salvation through Jesus Christ. Man, if that was all that it was, wouldn't that be enough? God is inviting us into a covenant relationship with Him and where we hear His Word and we believe He is who He says He is and He'll do the things that He has told us He will do. You see, God even mentions this again to Him and He doesn't mind repeating things to us because sometimes we feel like, you know, I, if, if I'm not jumping in doing exactly what God says, then perhaps, you know, I've offended Him. And But you know what? God continually repeats His promises. God continues to call. Matter of fact, He says, all day long have I held out my hand. And I will give give to you and your offspring after you the land use of your sojournings, all the land of Cana, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Know that Israel has a special place in God's and the relationship with God. Notice we remember that we looked at where after Babel he took and he uh, he divorced the nations, he scattered them across the world, and he raised up for himself a people, a covenant people. Beginning with Abraham, giving them the land. And he says, this is my everlasting covenant with you. And you know what? We might not be heirs of the covenant of receiving land in Israel. But you know what? We got something better. Remember, we talked about that last week. We have the promised Holy Spirit. We have salvation. We are grafted in spiritually. We are Abraham's children. You can get excited about that. That's okay. But we'll go on here. We are invited into a faith covenant. Paul would tell the Galatians in Galatians 3, 16 and 17. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and offsprings, plural, meaning for many, but referring to one. And to your offspring who is in Christ. This is what I mean, that the law which came 430 years afterwards... Does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, uh, so as to to make a to make the promise of no effect. You see, God enters into a covenant with Abraham through faith, and you know what? He enters into a covenant with us through faith. Some people think, you know, well, you know, I've got to do some stuff here. Do you know what you got to do to enter into that covenant? You got to believe that Jesus is enough that He forgives you of your sins and that when you rely on Him for the forgiveness of your sins, you enter into a faith covenant. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get your act right. You have to believe in Jesus Christ. And whenever you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within you. That seal of the covenant relationship, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you And you know what? Then the Holy Spirit begins to make those changes in your life. Too many times we have it backwards. We think, oh, you know, I gotta get, I gotta get myself all right. I gotta make sure I've stopped cussing and I gotta make sure I'm doing this and I I, I can't, I gotta, I can't come to the church until I finish this thing out of my life. No, come to Jesus. Accept His finished work on the cross for your forgiveness of sins and know that as you keep your faith in Jesus Christ, that there are so many benefits that come from that. Jesus wants Jesus wa- wants you to come to faith in Him. Whenever you follow the leading of His Holy Spirit, guess what? Your relationships will be better. Your marriage will be better. He has healing for you. There is so much that comes in in this faith covenant. And you know what? People sometimes think that they got to keep working. they got to keep striving. they keep got to keep doing things. But you know what? you got to stop striving. you got to stop trying. And you got to start having faith in Jesus Christ. And know that He will change you from the inside out. It's not the reverse of that. You don't say, oh, clean myself up. No, don't do that. Come to Jesus first. The Holy Spirit will clean you better than any man can. Let yourself be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. As part of this covenant for for Abraham and his offspring, he gave the sign of circumcision. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, and you and your offspring throughout their generations. This is my covenant which shall be between me and you, and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And so what this was, this was a physical sign of the eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people. That's what this is about. Let me read you to a little bit. Uh, you might want to put a bookmarker in Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. This explains a little bit more for us. It says, is this the blessing then only for the circumcised? or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then is it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe, without being circumcised, so the righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before circumcision. You see, what was happening was at this, at this time, is uh, the Jews were looking at it and saying, okay, you can be, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, but you need to be circumcised. Paul is correcting some bad theology there, saying no. Abraham entered into a covenant with God before the act of circumcision. Same thing that I was talking about there. You enter into the covenant relationship with God not because of your good deeds, but because of your faith. If you think that your good deeds somehow merit you salvation, then you are wrong. It is having faith in God, apart from works. That was what that you know, the circumcision and keeping the law was, you know, that, that was what the Jew considered, this is what I have to do in order to be in a covenant relationship with God. And that was what was required up until Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ has come to do away with the works of the law, come to do away with the works that they had to do. Guys, we can't even keep the Ten Commandments, can we? That's hard. We don't earn salvation through the ten commandments we earn salvation not at all not on works but on faith if we think that you have to earn the blessings of the Lord if you have to earn salvation if you have to earn your spiritual gifts if you have to clean up stop smoking stop chewing stop dipping stop cussing I'd like you to stop all doing those things but you know what the promises of God are do not rest on you cleaning yourself up Anybody who says is says different is wrong. Not even going to make an argument on that one. <laughs> God, covet relationship to you. As it was with Abram that day. It's not done on the basis of works, but on faith. God pours out all of his blessings, not because we somehow earned it. But because we believe. And it's out of the goodness of God that he shows his love to us. That first and foremost, it is our salvation that he gives us. And then the blessings of the Holy Spirit come later. Now, that day, the Lord gave a a warning to Abram. He says, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people, for he has broken my covenant. Covenant relationships are serious. God invites us into a covenant relationship now, not based not based on circumcision or keeping of the law, but on believing in Jesus Christ and that He is enough for all of our sins. That there's nothing that I can do. Jesus' blood is sufficient. Jesus' blood has been poured out for you. On the cross, when Jesus suffered and died, He spiritually enters into the heavenly holies of holies and applies His blood once and for all to the mercy seat in heaven and your sins have been atoned for. I want you to receive all the blessings of the Lord and I want you to stop thinking that you have to, it's performance based. Abraham would go on and would, by faith, he would circumcise everybody everybody in, uh, in, his, uh, in his household. But he comes to faith. His faith says, you know what? I'm going to do these works because I believe who God is. And that he will do what he says he will do. And I'm going to be obedient to the thing that he asked me to do. God continues. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her... Sarai, but Sarah will be her name. I will bless her and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become, as she shall become nations and kings and people shall come from her. Wow. Notice we have the name change ceremony here by the Lord. You're no longer Abraham, Abram, but you're Abraham. She's no longer Sarai, but she is Sarah. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of nations. Sarai is a diminutive form of princess. Sarah means a noble woman. They have gone, they have gone from the potential. They've gone from caterpillars and they're starting down that, they're starting down that, that road to become beautiful butterflies of faith. Do you like that one? Okay, good. I threw that in for my wife there. So, God appears. He's talking to Abraham. He's setting forth this covenant. Oh, this is awesome! Do you know what happens? Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And said to him, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might be might live before you. You know, I, I read some commentators, and this is this is funny. They said this was holy laughter. They said, "Oh, he was he was laughing because he because he liked what God said." Now you know what? I, I looked up the word. I, I looked up the, uh, the the Hebrew word for laugh, and it wasn't like a polite chuckle. Matter of fact, it is more like the. It's it's more. You know, if if I could define it without words, here's what it would be. <laughs> This was not like, this was not like, oh, yes, thank you, Lord. (laughs) You've heard him, he's been praying and and seeking the Lord. They kind of get this little holy laughter thing going. They just get so carried away. No, this wasn't that. He fell on his face and laughed. (laughs) That ain't polite. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I'm an old man. I'm I'm almost a hundred. And my wife, well, she ain't no spring chicken either. He's an old woman, and I'm an old man. Hey, and I got this boy. He's 13 years old now. That's the one. Wow. But you know, Abraham was not defined by this moment right here. You know, there are times whenever our faith may waver. Some people say, uh, you know, like I said, I, I read this one commentator, and he was really just trying to whitewash this whole thing here. And it's like, no, this wasn't a polite laugh. And no, he wasn't saying, I received the blessings of the Lord. He was saying, I'm old, my wife's old, and I already got a kid. That's exactly what he was saying. But sometimes our faith will have a low moment, won't it? Don't let your low moment define who you are in Jesus Christ. Abraham was not defined by his low moment. Here's what he does. God sets the record straight right here, right now. He says, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, and in an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly he shall be a, he shall father 12 princes and i will make him into a great nation wow i think most of us would have been a little upset if if you know if we gave somebody some really good news hey and they fell on their face and laughed and tried to tell you that you were wrong but god god will not brand you according to your low point. We don't read in there matter, matter of fact, we don't, we don't we don't read anywhere in the Bible else in the Bible that talks about him falling on his face laughing. It's almost like that 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 part do, didn't happen. We see no other reference to this. But you know what? It didn't offend God. Because Abra, Abraham had faith. And so now he he's he's calling it here. He's like, "Okay, I will establish my covenant covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you this time next year. God is calling it. He's pointing it out there. This is what it is. Mark the calendar. My my promises is coming. Has your faith been a little low at times? Don't let that define who you are. You know, there's some times where we have great faith. Wouldn't it be great if we could all stay at that that point of great faith? Oh, I wish I could. But know that God has a covenant for you. It's established by faith. And God looks on you lovingly and wants to provide according to the faith of His promise. Now, here's something we're just going to read through this in in Romans chapter 4 and this actually mentions this part here they left out he left out the laughter part but paul talks to the romans he says uh, that uh, that is why it depends on faith talking about salvation in order that the promises may rest on the grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring not only to the adherence of the law but also to the one who shares the faith of abraham who is the father of us all as is written i have made you a father of many nations and In the presence of God in in whom He believed. You see, once again, salvation is by faith. The promises are by grace. Now here's something so that you you remember what grace is. G-R-A-C-E. Remember, God's promises are by His grace, and grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid for everything He wants to pour out on you. Abraham is our father, and we need to learn to have that faith of Abraham that even whenever God says the impossible, we know that it is possible with God. Paul goes on to say to the Romans, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Notice, this is God doing this. I've heard people try to claim that that, that we're doing this. This is what God does. In hope, he believed against hope that he would become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Going back to this place here. Old, old man Abraham. Old, old man Sarah. God gives life to the dead. My friends, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But you're made alive in Christ. God gives you life. God's riches at Christ's expense, because He loves you. Your faith, you know, the object of your faith is Jesus Christ. Faith is not just something that we build up, that we have faith to have faith's sake, but you know what? We have faith in a great big God. God calls things into being. Whatever you need in your life, God will call it into existence. By faith in God. And we have a hope because of this. Hope isn't like I hope this happens, but hope means a future hope. Hope means that we know that Jesus is coming back and he's going to take us all to heaven. Hope means that whenever we die, should we die before Christ returns, that we will be in heaven. We have a real and a living hope. And that's our promise. Paul goes on to reference this part. He says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. You know, Paul very uh, coincidentally leaves out the whole part about falling down and laughing, doesn't he? Circumstances don't matter. Momentary lapses don't define you. It didn't define, it didn't define Abraham, did it? Yes, he laughed. I'm not thinking that's like a real, you know, I don't think Abraham, if he was filling out his, his resume on, on, on being the father of faith, that he would write there, God made me a promise and I laughed in his face. Momentary lapses did not define who Abraham was in God. Some of you have, have fallen. Some of you have backslid before. Some of you may still be in a backslidden state. Your momentary lapse does not define who you are. God is calling you back into a covenant relationship with Him. Don't define yourself by your low point in faith, but let God define who you are and your relationship to Him. He is calling you into a covenant relationship by faith. Some of you are thinking, well, I don't think God could, God would even want me anymore. You know what, if you're thinking that, let me tell you, God wants you. He wants you to have that faith in Him. You know what, if you could do it yourself, it wouldn't be faith, would it? God wants you to have faith in Him because He will do what He said He will do. He will call those things that are dead and make them alive. He will quicken the deadness in your heart or in your spirit or in your womb, and he will make it alive according to his promise that he has for you. Don't feel that you're unworthy because maybe you've fallen or you had a low point. Abraham, we've seen, Abraham's messed up a whole bunch, hasn't he? Heck, he let Pharaoh take his wife. He's done, he's done some other things, he's done some other that, things that weren't quite so bueno, hasn't he? But he is still the father of faith. Faith doesn't mean perfect faith, it means faith in the perfect one. And that's Jesus Christ. Now notice here, Paul speaking in Romans. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith and gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Notice this. His faith is growing. It's not how you start. Your faith will grow when you put your faith in action in Jesus Christ. Not on your on, on how good you are or how obedient you are. But you know what? Your faith will transform who you are. It will metamorphosize just as that little, that little caterpillar that eats up all the stuff there and then goes into its chrysalis or its cocoon and then it comes out as, as a beautiful butterfly or God wants to transform you into what he wants you to be. That faith butterfly. Some of you going to say, I don't know if I'm ever going to be anything other, other than a, other than a worm, other than a caterpillar. It's not the caterpillar's doing. It's the one who moves it along. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that you are transformed from glory to glory. God provides what you need. God provides what you need. You don't have to gin it up. You don't have to fake it till you make it. And to have faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done for you, and then your faith grows. You know what? You're you're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. You should take. I take comfort in that. You know, I expect to, to to bolo some things, but I know that God will not define me by that low point of my faith. Almost done with Romans here. That is why His faith was counted to Him as righteousness. Remember, righteousness is right standing before God. Right acts before God. But the words, it was counted to Him, were not written for His sake alone, but for ours also. It was counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. You see... It is faith in Jesus Christ that justifies us. What does that word mean? That means just as if I never sinned. That's what justification is. you have faith in Jesus Christ, then He justifies you. Sometimes we think back about what it is we did, our failures. But remember, it is the justification. Just as if I never sinned. Don't remember those bad things that you did before you came to Jesus because right now we have you are just like Abraham. You are in faith and it is just as if you never sinned. Everything has been wiped clean. You belong to Jesus. And Jesus wants to do a wonderful work in you. He wants you to become the spiritual giant that he has destined you to become. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house. And bought with, with money, even males among the men, the men of Abram's house, and he circumcised their flesh of their foreskins that very day as God had said to him. Notice, Abraham, God gives the covenant to Abraham. Abraham believes through faith, and then because of that faith, he does works afterwards. Exactly the way it works for us. God has offered his, has offered his covenant to you. You believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then those works, well, those things come later because of our belief. We don't do those works to justify our belief because we have been justified by Jesus Christ. Our takeaway on this, number one, God's promises don't have expiration dates. Just as Abraham said, Lord, I'm an old man and my wife ain't no spring chicken. God has made promises to you and I, and they don't expire. Number two, God will let you exhaust yourself. You know, it had been 13 years since him and Sarah, probably 14 counting the, the nine months in there, close to 14 years, then they came up with, a, they concocted that scheme of, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna give you Hagar and she's gonna have a child for you and this is gonna be where your son is gonna be. 13 years. Abraham does not hear from God. And he has been treading water. God will let you exhaust yourself in trying everything that you want, won't he? Yes, he will. Because it is not up to you. If you're finding yourself exhausted, then you know what? You're not resting in the promises. Number three, God is waiting. God has made those promises to you. And you know what? You gotta quit trying. You gotta believe. You gotta have faith. It's not, you know, hey, if I bring enough spaghetti and sauce, then the Lord's gonna accept me. (laughs) No. It's not that I gotta quit doing this or quit doing that. God is waiting for your faith. God has a promise for each one of you. I'm looking out here, probably most of you, if not all of you, have received Jesus Christ as your Lord because you have faith in Jesus Christ and He has forgiven you of your sin and it's just like you have never sinned before. God is waiting to pour out more on you because God didn't just save you for fire insurance. He saved you. He loves you. And there's a thing we talked about there. You know, Abraham circumcised his whole household as a result of his faith. The works came later. God wants us to do the works because we love Him, because we have faith in Him, because He's forgiven us, because we're justified. And He wants to continue to pour out those gifts on you so that we can do greater works than these. And finally, I want you to put your faith into action. It's so how Abraham did it. He said, yes, Lord, I believe you. Circumcised his whole household. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's not a complicated procedure. You believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that He died for your sins and that His blood atoned for your sins. You receive forgiveness for those sins through your faith in Jesus Christ. Our repentance is towards God the Father because we have a sinned against Him, but we know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us that with the heart we believe, and with the mouth we confess. Oh, it's not saying it's not saying the prayer and really, really meaning it. It's mean in knowing what Jesus did for you on the cross. Knowing that your sins are forgiven. You need to receive that forgiveness. And then walk in newness of life. There are those of you who have been saved and God is waiting to pour out more of His, more of His goodness and grace on you. He wants you to put your faith into action, to step out and let Him empower you to do what He has called you to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, for all the things that You have done for us. Oh, Your salvation is wonderful, Lord. We don't deserve it. Lord, build our faith so that we don't doubt our salvation and so that we do our works through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Father, bless my family this morning. Bless them and keep them in all that they do. My friends, my family, I bless you now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day today. You are dismissed.